0: District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to District of Conservation. I'm your host, Gabriella Hoffman. This podcast offers a sober examination into all things hunting Fishing, shooting sports, energy, environment, and the public policy surrounding it. And this podcast also specializes in original interviews that you won't hear elsewhere. Here's what I have for you today. Some housekeeping before I go into our interview with Alaska Governor Mike Dunleavy. There are a few housekeeping items I want to mention, things that should be on your radar. First, there is a new Conservation Nation episode. My long-awaited report on forestry is out today We filmed that across Pennsylvania and Montana in 2021 in Pennsylvania and last summer in Montana. I think you're going to really like it. And sometime in the coming weeks, a conversation I had for the Safari Club First for Hunters podcast will drop here on the podcast, so I will let you know when that happens. But now on to what you guys are waiting for, my conversation with Alaska Governor Mike Dunleavy. So if you guys know a little bit about him, he is an avid hunter, sportsman, Really big on balanced use, and I got to speak with him recently while he was here in Washington, D.C. He just won re-election to his post as governor. He's a transplant to Alaska, if you didn't know that, and he is very heavily invested in these natural resources conservation issues. You can read an official biography, I'll include that, but I think I want to offer my own summary of why I think he's really fascinating and interesting He just received Safari Club International's Governor of the Year Award at their most recent conference. I wasn't able to meet him then, but it was good. We met after the fact. He's really big on the Alaska model of natural resources development, coupled with conservation stewardship. We had talked offline about the closure of 60 million plus acres to hunting opportunities for caribou for non-residents as well. So he's really invested in these issues. He talks about tribal interests and how actually the Biden administration turns a blind eye to tribal interests he doesn't like. Very, very fascinating, interesting individual. I really am grateful that he was able to take time to sit down with me and talk about these issues. And if you were uncertain about the Alaska model and how they can balance oil and gas development and mining with wildlife conservation and national parks and maintenance of beautiful vistas, this will help change your perspective, I think. So here's my conversation with Alaska Governor Mike Dunleavy. Let me know what you think. Governor Dunleavy, thank you so much for joining my podcast. Good to meet with you here in D.C. Oh,
1: it's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Why don't you talk about what makes Alaska so unique? I was watching the tourism commercials here in the lower 48 during COVID. You guys were almost competing, I think, Pretty much on par with South Dakota, trying to lure people to come to your state at the height of COVID. It's a special place people have visited. People like to visit Alaska. But what makes the, your state so unique?
1: How many hours do you have? I'm kidding. <laughs> um, it, uh, it, it, to me, it's, it's an amazing place. I, I grew up in Pennsylvania, in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and left in 1983 to go to Alaska right out of college. And I thought I died and went to heaven. It's, um, it's a place where even today I still say to myself, I need eight lifetimes to see the entire state and understand it. It's a massive state. It used to have four time zones. Uh, now it has two. We consolidated the two. But it, you know, when you have a state that's the furthest northern state, the furthest western state, and ironically the furthest eastern state because the fr- uh, furthest solutions press pressed out into the international dateline, you can see that it's unique in its position in the globe. We're not just an Arctic state. We're North Pacific sovereign in many respects. We are, we are closer to Australia, for example, than California. And I know people are going to have a hard time getting their head around that. But that's how far west we are. We are so close to uh, Russia, we're only two and a half miles from uh, our territory to their territory. You can literally see on um, Little Diomede, which has an Inupak-Eskimo community, you can see Russia's big Diomede right there. Mainland is 50 miles apart. Um, we, um, we have tremendous resources. Alaska was probably the only state in the country in which its admittance into the Union, as the 49th state, was predicated upon its ability, and, and really a compelling, a compelling argument that they must develop their resources. The irony today is that uh, the federal government is doing everything possible, from our perspective, to stop that uh, that view, that approach to resource development from occurring. And so, um, we've got the highest mountain in North America, uh, Mount McKinley, called da- Denali as well. We have more coastline than any other um, uh, the Lower 48 put together. We have tremendous uh, uh, energy potential. Everything from geothermal, we have a over a hundred plus volcanoes, thirty of which are active. Second-largest tides in the world in Cook Inlet. Enormous oil and gas uh, uh, plays. I mean, Prudhoe Bay was uh, was uh, uh, enormous. Is an enormous uh, oil play that has produced 18 to 19 billion barrels of oil, uh, and still has uh, plenty of oil left. So everything from your critical minerals, your critical uh, elements: uh, gold, silver, lead, zinc. Uh, we have one-seventh of the country's timber located in Alaska. Uh, the list just goes on and on, and um, all all in a state of only 730,000 people, which is about the size of some uh, counties in the lower 48.
0: Alaska is also a sportsman's paradise, known for renowned fishing for salmon, uh, big-game hunting, not even big-game hunting, small-game hunting, too. And I know I've read up that you also go hunting and enjoy the great outdoors. So why is Alaska also such a a sought-out place for that in the midst of all this resource development and balance use.
1: Yeah, we're one of the giants. Uh, if you're a hunter, we're, we're one of the, the meccas to go to. I know folks go to Africa. There's places in Asia that folks hunt. Uh, Texas is a big state for hunting. But Alaska is unique in itself. I mean, we have, uh, we're have we the only state with the three bear species, uh, polar bears, brown bears slash grizzly bears, and black bears. We have enormous herds of caribou musk and plains bison, and we're the only state with wood bison, which are the largest bison on the planet. Uh, we have goats, sheep, uh, the list goes on and on and on. And so one of the reasons I went to Alaska right out of college was I wanted to be part of the outdoors. I wanted to be part of, uh, of the wilderness, and it's, it hasn't disappointed. And, um, you know, I've, I've gone on, I hunt uh, on a regular basis, uh, whether it's caribou or moose, uh, where we live in Wasilla, we have plenty of moose daily in our uh, on our forty-five acres and adjacent lands. Um, so it is a hunter's paradise, and it's a hunter's paradise for for much of the big game that we've talked about. And um, fishing is tremendous. Uh, we are the salmon capital, uh, we believe, of the world, especially uh, certainly in the United States. Uh, we have some of the uh, most lucrative fishing ports in the country for commercial fishing. But as we know, we also have folks come up. Uh, by the millions to, to fish for salmon, all species of salmon, grayling, uh, pike, uh, halibut, uh, enormous fish that you can get off the coast of Alaska. So there, there's something for everybody in Alaska. And um, for those that haven't been there yet, uh, you're missing out. And I would uh, strongly urge you to come and see the 49th state.
0: Obviously, people know from listening to what you've said thus far, or people just have basic knowledge of Alaska, they balance natural resources development very responsibly. Plus, they allow for a proliferation of wildlife, whether for sightseeing and even for highly regulated hunting. But for some reason, those in the lower 40, particularly federal government, don't like the model that Alaska is exuding and carrying out. Why is that? And could you speak to some of the attacks that you've received, or your state has received rather, from the Biden administration trying to prevent the Alaska model from working?
1: Yeah, it's 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 interesting because we believe it's the same element that's permeated all aspects of society the past several decades, and that is, it's really an anti-individual, an anti-person agenda. Um, If if you can close down uh, an oil play or a gas play or mining play, then that weakens the state, and then people end up leaving, potentially going to other states, and then that just starts a snowball effect. That uh, you know, uh, the more the more we can uh, beat up on Alaska the more, the less economic opportunity that uh, those beatings provide, more people will leave the state. And their grand idea, their grand notion of making Alaska into a crown jewel as a national park can be completed, that process can be completed. We never have believed that it's an either or. We do things up there well, uh, whether it's resource development and protecting the environment. I mean, Alaska is known for its pristine wilderness as a reason for that, because we look after it. But that doesn't mean you can't mine or you can't take down timber, or you can't, uh, uh, you can't have an oil or gas play. I mean, we do all of that really, really well. And again, the irony is that our mandate, when we became a state, um, in order for us to become a state, it, it was we were compelled to develop our resources to pay for that enormous state. Because keep in mind, in the late 50s and early 60s, when Alaska was born and came into the Union, um, we only had about 150 to 200,000 people in that entire state, size of a subcontinent. And the only way you were going to pay for it is develop our massive uh, resources. So the idea that you can't do that without wrecking the environment is absolutely false. And I'll take this one step further. And this is what people really need to understand. If you really care about the environment, you want to develop in Alaska and the United States. Why? Because of our environmental standards, we aren't going to end up uh, clear-cutting and destroying a- a environments such as they do in Borneo, where uh, literally hundreds, if not thousands, of animals such as orangutans perish every year as a result of those activities. You're not going to lose thousands and thousands and thousands of acres of Amazonian uh, uh, jungle. You're not going to have child labor issues in the United States and Alaska like in some other countries. You're not going to have us persecuting our minorities like they do in some other places you're not going to have us propping up dictators through resource development like they do in some other places. So I think what really goads a lot of folks in Alaska is um, when we're talking about this ESG approach to the world um, and some of your larger banks would like you to believe that they are noble and they are saving the world, many of them are investing in the very things we just talked about. Many of them are investing in places in which the the environment is is being destroyed. The political situation is horrible. Child labor uh, issues and minority issues are are being exploited. So you really want to save the environment, invest, and develop in America and Alaska, because we do it better than anybody.
0: You showed me a notebook prior to us going live in this conversation about the various different administrative actions, largely executive orders that have been taken directly aimed at Alaska. Could you briefly list those that have had an immediate impact
1: oh, on your have. people? They all have. These are 42 <clears throat> executive orders from January 2021 to date. Uh, everything from suspending the ANWR leases, despite a, a 2017 law that required leasing and exploration under President uh, Trump, uh, this, uh, this administration has ignored that law. Uh, Ambler Road, which is a, a road to go into a mining district, those permits have been suspended. There's a thing called the uh, Tongass National Forest, largest national forest in the country, and a forest that was intended to be used to produce timber, uh, uh, mining and other, uh, other activities. They have suspended the roadless rule that was put in under uh, President Trump, which basically, if you can't put roads into it, you really can't develop it. Um, uh, they, they've, uh, they've designated a massive critical habitat uh, onshore and offshore of Alaska the size of Texas, to supposedly protect ringed seals and bearded seals. Um, the, the list goes on and on and on, and like I said, there's 41, 42 actions um, that just continue to come out of this administration that is trying to snuff out Alaska's ability to develop its resources, uh, create wealth, take care of our schools with, uh, with uh, wealth from, uh, funding from that wealth, and quite frankly, um, it's impacting all of Alaska. It doesn't matter if you're urban Alaska, rural Alaska, uh, native Alaskans, which by the way, Alaska has the largest uh, per capita population of Native Americans. With our um, Indian folks, our Aleut folks, our Eskimo folks, all of these folks rely on the ability for Alaska to develop its resources too. And so, it's a, it's a concerted effort from our from our perspective to uh, hobble Alaska and, and potentially destroy the state as a uh, as a uh, viable state going forward.
0: I'd like you to speak more to the Alaska Native perspective because. Biden administration has said they support tribal input. They want tribal support and to give them more deference in these decisions as it involves natural resources and conservation. I've seen different conflicts start to pan out, actually, despite their supposed reverence of the native perspective. They've created conflict in Utah with the Ute tribe designating a monument without their approval. And you were telling me earlier before going on air that it's kind of an interesting paradox that uh, they don't understand that the natives can also support resource development. There's not this shrugging of natural resources development or responsible stewardship of resources that we're often told is assigned to uh, tribal interests. So could you speak to that and, and why it's not exactly a paradox? Well, uh,
1: yes. And I, I, You know, just, just for the record, I, I lived for 20 years in rural Alaska in uh, Inupac Eskimo communities. My wife of 35 years is a Inupac Eskimo uh, woman who grew up in a small village. My three daughters are Native Americans. All three daughters, by the way, work in the resource industry at a place called uh, Red Dog Mine, which is one of the largest, not largest, lead zinc mines in the world. Um, these folks were the stewards of their environment. They, they don't need Washington to tell them how to take care of their environment. And I'll, I'll tell you something interesting. So there's a place called Anwar, which has p- to potentially uh, the, the last large remaining oil and gas fields in, um, in the United States. There's a small Inupiat community in that refuge. This is a refuge the, in, in Anwar that, um, that has been there for thousands of years Unbeknownst to them, one morning they woke up and that refuge had bec- their lands had become a refuge, and now the, uh, the 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 federal government, for example, does not allow them to use snowmobiles or four wheelers to access their ancestral hunting lands. Um, they're actually, in many respects, restricted from doing that. And these are folks that have lived there for thousands of years. We also have uh, we have native corporations in Alaska. When we had our our, our settlement for our lands claims back in the seventies. We didn't opt for a, a tribal approach to, to dealing with those lands. We do have 220, approximately 227, 228 tribes in Alaska. But nonetheless, we have a corporate system. And these corporations are run by the various native, uh, native groups. They have pr- provided jobs, educational opportunities, immense wealth for their people. I could, put you into, uh, I could put you in contact with hundreds if not thousands of Alaska Natives that believe in resource development, that believe in responsible resource development. So the Biden administration is, um, is, is, is talking to a select few that don't necessarily want resource development in their area, but I could tell you overall, overall the vast majority of Alaska, Alaska's Native people want resource development, responsible resource development, because of what it provides. It provides a future for their kids. Uh, we, have, uh, we have many small, remote villages that are some of the most impoverished in the United States of America. Many of these resource plays that this administration is trying to shut down is in rural Alaska, near these impoverished uh, villages. Those folks would love to have the jobs. Those folks would love to have the wealth. Those folks would love to have the funding for uh, their schools and other activities. So the more that this administration shuts down these opportunities, the more it hurts people, in, in many cases, especially our Native Alaskan folks.
0: Is there anything else we haven't covered that you'd like to insert into our conversation? Anything we missed that you think uh, would Arthur, be a Well, I just would him highlight him?
1: The, just the, the hypocrisy that this is not necessarily about helping Alaska. That this is not these actions are not necessarily uh, about helping our Native Alaskan folks. This is all part of a larger agenda to uh, to, to really uh, uh, portray people, individuals, as a problem for the world, a problem for the environment. And Alaska is ground zero because uh, there's there's a lot of folks that can be duped into thinking that if they support no activities in Alaska, then they're saving Alaska. You're not saving Alaska, to be honest with you. Alaska is doing well saving itself right now by itself, but what you're really gonna end up doing is you're gonna put more pressure on some of those fragile areas across the world that don't have the protections, and so you're gonna see more clear cuts, more burning of jungles, more decimation of, uh, of animals, more political problems with child labor and dictators. It's just a, it's a win-win for Alaska and the United States if we do these activities here and for the environment, and it's a lose-lose for the world if it keeps happening overseas.
0: my listeners want to know more about the Alaska model, follow your policy initiatives, get connected with you, follow what's going on in Alaska, what links would you recommend to them? To
1: our, they go to our website, our governor's website. We update it uh, continually. And we, uh, we, uh, we, we mention frequently these issues that are coming out of the federal government. And, you know, lastly, what I would say is we probably have more sanctions put against us as a state, the 49th state of the United States by our federal government, than some foreign countries do that are not friends of the United States. Uh, instead of coming to us to ask, how can we produce more oil? How can we produce uh, more timber? We have federal officials going to places like Venezuela and Saudi Arabia trying to get them uh, to produce more oil. It makes no sense.
0: Governor Dunleavy, thank you so much for sitting down with me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you haven't already, make sure you find us on your preferred podcast player. We largely circulate on Apple, Spotify, and countless others, but those are our two big podcast platforms we want to push. Make sure you're subscribed there, especially on Apple. If you like the podcast a lot, go leave us some reviews. We'd be more than grateful to get some five-star reviews from you guys. Moreover, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and a little bit on YouTube. We don't populate there, but connect with us on social media. Find me personally on social media with blue check marks. Super easy to find, and I would love to hear your feedback and know who you'd like to see on the podcast. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. Stay tuned for the next episode.